Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Story is told of a poor woman who had great faith and was known for seasoning her words with the words, praise the Lord, all the time. She would get up in the morning and go out on her porch and she would say, praise the Lord, it's a beautiful day. But her next door neighbor was an atheist and that got on his nerves so that every time she said praise the Lord, he would shout across the yard, there is no Lord. And this went on for a while until times got tough and this poor woman no longer had enough money even to buy food. And yet even then she went out and she'd say, praise the Lord, who I trust for daily bread. Well, sure enough, the very next day, a large bag of groceries appears on her porch, to which she responds by saying, you guessed it, praise the Lord. At which point the neighbor comes across and he says to her, see, I told you, there is no Lord. God didn't bring these groceries, I did. The woman looks down at the grocery, she looks up at the man and she says to him, praise the Lord he brought me food and even made this atheist pay for it. <laughs> and that is a woman of faith. So when I think about my own walk with God and the things that encourage and strengthen my own faith along the way, I think of a lot of things that uh, you can probably imagine me listing, like the scriptures and uh, how you can find your way to a passage that uh, really speaks directly into your heart or helps you to understand uh, so perfectly the situation that you're in. I think of my worship life and how that's really the glue for me and it keeps me from wandering away from him and from you. I think about the music uh, that helps faith to flourish in so many wonderful ways. And like that story, I even think of uh, some of the hard times that turned out to be faith-producing experiences, even though they were kind of tough uh, to get through. But, but right up there with all the rest are the people, the stories, and the examples that have been set for me by people who came before me. Whose witness, whose words, whose actions, whose testimony inspire my faith. They help me to be strong. They encourage me to go forward in faith even when the going gets tough. And that's basically what chapters 11 and 12 of the letter to the Hebrews is really all about, is the writer of that letter, uh, who is actually unknown to us, encourages the recipients of that letter with this list of Old Testament saints who have kept the faith in the midst of all kinds of trials and heartaches and tragedies. And that encouragement was really right on the money because Letter to the Hebrews was written to a group of Christians who had converted from Judaism, hence the name Hebrews, as in Hebrew Christians, who lived in the city of Rome at a time when Christians were being persecuted under the emperor Nero, who just for example would have Christians burned in his garden at night because he liked the light that it cast on his flowers. And as a result of that persecution, some of those Christians were thinking about turning around and going back to Judaism. 
which uh, you can sort of understand, but on the other hand, you can also understand that it raised the threat that the faith might not even make it in Rome or anywhere else in, in the world for that matter. And that's the context for the letter to the, the Hebrews or the Hebrew Christians in the city of Rome and around it, which made this no small piece of insignificant correspondence because everything was on the line. And, uh, and as I said, in keeping with the fact that this letter was written to Hebrew or Jewish Christians, the first part of the letter has to do with how the new covenant is better than the old covenant, how grace is better than sacrifice and endless requirements for getting right with God, and how Jesus is a, is a better high priest who made a better sacrifice than the sacrifices of the high priest in the temple in Jerusalem. And then, and then the second part of the letter, which begins in chapter 11, gives us that list of these spiritual heroes, these giants of the faith, these Old Testament saints who persevered through their own hardships and persecutions and trials, including the children of Israel, who he mentions, who walked through the Red Sea as if it were dry land after which the Egyptians follow, and they drown because the difference wasn't bravery, it wasn't courage, the difference was faith. And then he talks about the uh, battle for that fortified city of Jericho and how a woman who lived there whose name was Rahab, by faith, helped the children of Israel to come in to the land that God had promised to them. And then he names Gideon, who was one of the judges of Israel before it even had a king and who led their people uh, in a victory against a pagan army with only 300 soldiers. He names Barak, who was another military leader who gained another victory uh, over the Canaanites, even though he was greatly outnumbered. And then Samson, who, who killed a lion, who destroyed the temple of the Philistines, and, and then Jephthah, who was another military leader, who basically did the same thing. Kind of reminds me of a, a show I saw one time on the History Channel where they said that in the history of warfare, almost two-thirds of all the battles of this world that have been won were won by armies that were outnumbered by their enemies. It's called asymmetrical conflict, kind of like the David and Goliath thing. Speaking of which, uh, there's David on the list, and there's Samuel on the list, and there are prophets on the list who, who won kingdoms, who stood up for justice, who, who experienced the strength of God in the midst of their own personal weakness. And then, then there are so many others whose names are way too many to mention. These are the people who were imprisoned and they were tortured. And many of them were even killed because of their faith. They, their names weren't mentioned, but they were known for their faith because they received something more than this world could promise them. They received a better resurrection by the grace and the power of God. And it was with that list then that the writer to the Hebrews, these persecuted Christians in the city of Rome, gets to his point, and he says to them, now, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let's run this race. Let's lay aside whatever gets in the way, whatever entangles us. 
and let's run this race of faith because if that is what faith could produce in the people who have come before us, then that is what faith can also produce in us in a way that helps us to go on even when the going gets tough. And so I want to ask you a question today, and that is, if you were going to make a list of the spiritual heroes of your life, who would be on that list? Who are the spiritual giants who are part of your past, who set the example for you so that you could go on in the midst of all the obstacles, all the opportunities that happen to come your way? I think about that for myself, and I know that I would add some New Testament saints to the ones that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, Mary, the mother of Jesus, what a story that is. St. Paul, the greatest missionary of the church's history, what a story that is. And then, you know, others of more recent history, I mean, you know, wow, Martin Luther and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, who died in prison because of his opposition to the Nazis. Classics, Mother Teresa, Oscar Romero, Martin Luther King Jr., so many others. But I also think of those who came before me who I personally knew. I think of my grandparents who came here to this country in the early 20s, when they were in the early 20s. They sailed into New York Harbor with nothing more than you could fit in a steamer trunk including exactly two books, one Bible, one hymn book. And that's how they came, by faith. I think of the parents and the pioneers, not only of my life, but of our congregation's life, the ones who came before us before we ever got here, who left us this legacy in the church of God. I think about the ones who came before us on whose shoulders we stand. I think about that former music director. And of all people to show up today, our former pastor, on whose shoulders we also stand in our, in our ministry to this very day. I mean, I, and I, I also think about people who are still surrounding us in this very room, in this very moment. I think of people at St. Andrew who have become foster parents and adoptive parents by faith, through which lives have been changed forever. I think about a congregation that has taken some great, big, bold, very expensive steps in the mission of Christ, not knowing how it was all going to turn out, but doing it by faith. And I think of people who I've known in the past, and I know to this very day, who have experienced some of the greatest hardships, some of the most horrific losses, that you could ever possibly imagine, and yet they praise the Lord. They give thanks and exalt in the presence of Jesus in the midst of all of that. Who would you put on your list? And once you make that list, don't miss out on the beauty of remembering them and drawing strength from the example that they set for us and then following them as they followed Christ in their lives. And, and then the second thing I'd suggest that you do is, is begin to imagine today the people on whose list you would like to be. You know, whose faith do you have a chance to influence by the way that you, you just live your life and you order your priorities? 
And you use your time and you spend your money and you make these decisions and you react to the things that happen to you as a follower of Jesus. What do you want people to say about your faith when you're not here anymore? Not in order to idolize you or your legacy, but to see the power of Christ in you so that they can think that the power of Christ might also be in them. And not because faith means that hardships are over. Sometimes faith, you know, actually brings hardships on. But faith also helps us get through those hardships. If not in this life, then in the better resurrection. Not in the things that are promised by this world, but in the things that are provided by God. And, and as you think about whose list you'd like to be on, just remember... Spiritual heroes are not perfect, and they certainly weren't in Hebrews chapter 11. And those in Rome who got this letter and read it carefully obviously knew their stories. They knew that the children of Israel who walked across the Red Sea by faith also doubted God and they complained all the way into the, whole, into the Holy Land, the Promised Land. They knew that Rahab who saved the day in Jericho was a prostitute. They knew that Gideon at first doubted God's word before he went forward, uh, that Barak hesitated in response to God's call in his life, and that Samson and David, of all people, Jephthah, all of them were completely flawed as leaders of their generation. And yet God made every single one of them members of the hall of faith because our God can take flawed, ordinary, broken people and make them extraordinary examples of faith to set for the generations that come after you and me. I mentioned the History Channel earlier. Well, if you watch the Discovery Channel or if you watch Nat Geo, you may be familiar with the name of a man by the name of Bear Grylls. He was a wilderness uh, survivalist, a former member of the British uh, Special Forces. Uh, he has hosted programs like Man vs. Earth and Ho uh, Man vs. Wild and Hostile Earth and uh, others over the years. And uh, you know, this guy, I mean, has just done some really crazy, death-defying things uh, that you can either watch on TV or look up on the internet if you, if you're interested. And yet, Bear Grylls will tell you that the backbone of his life is his faith in Jesus Christ not in the things that this world can promise or deliver or that he can achieve. In fact, uh, just uh, not long before the death of his father, uh, some years back, Bear Grylls climbed to the summit of Mount Everest. When he got back down, he went to see his dad. He sat at his bedside. He talked about his exhilarating, terrifying adventure. At the end of the visit, when he was getting ready to leave, took his dad's hand, looked at his dying father, and he said to him, you climbed that mountain with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside whatever hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run this race against the odds though outnumbered in the sufficiency of God and let us stay focused on Jesus Christ who is the perfecter 
of our faith. Keeping in mind that the word perfect doesn't mean flawless like it does in English. It means complete. It means to be made complete in Christ. Who is that greater, better high priest who because of his faithfulness to you, his love for you, made the perfect sacrifice. And then according to the writer of that great letter to the Hebrews, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down because unlike the priests in the temple in Jerusalem, his work is done. It's over. It is complete, so you do not ever have to look back again. You can go forward even when the going gets tough, come what may, because he is your strength. It has been said, I think many of us have heard of people who have said at some point along the way that faith is nothing more than a crutch. Well, let me tell you something. For half of this summer, I saw a kid in, on crutches in my house. If a crutch helps you to stand when you cannot otherwise stand, if a crutch helps you to walk when you're wounded, then what I have to say about that is, give me the crutches, and I will stand, and I will walk on the strength of Jesus Christ, because in him my hope is absolutely and forever secure. And so today, we give thanks as we stand on the shoulders of those spiritual giants, those heroes of the faith, who went before us and who still surround us in this very moment. And as we do, I wish you a life of faithfulness, which is to say the fullness of life when it's rooted in faith. And that great high priest who makes it perfect, which is not to say flawless, but it makes us complete in him so that by his strength, you can stand, and you can walk, and you can run, and you can use your life to become a living legacy to those who will come after us as the chain reaction of grace goes on from one generation to the next and to the next until all of us join together in that great cloud of witnesses where faith becomes sight, and we praise the Lord forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess our faith together.